Welcome to the Wrap Yourself in Joy podcast. I'm Karen Dwyer, speaker, teacher, and author of four books on joy. If you are searching for more joy in your life, join me for about 15 minutes every week. It could change your life. My newest series is called Advent Joy and is based on my book, The Joy of Advent, Journey with the People, Events, and Prayers at the First Coming of Jesus Christ. It has an imprimatur and a built-in study guide. The podcast is brought to you by the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Additional links to my books and free bookmarks are available at wrapyourselfinjoy.com. Hello. Welcome to Advent Joy Podcast number six. I'm Karen Dwyer, and you are listening to the Advent Joy series. It follows my book, The Joy of Advent, Journey with the People, Events, and Prayers at the First Coming of Jesus Christ. Today, we return to the book of Luke. There we join Blessed Mary and Joseph on their 80-mile journey to Bethlehem. When they arrive, they find it crowded with people who, like Mary and Joseph, had come at the command of Caesar Augustus. So let's begin by reading Luke 2, 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Of course, Jesus would be born in Bethlehem in the city of David. It was prophesied by the Old Testament prophet Micah over 700 years earlier, and you can read it in Micah 5, verses 1 through 3. At this time, Emperor Caesar Augustus, who was a master bookkeeper and statistician, likely wanted to keep track of his subjects and his kingdom by public enrollment, so he issued his decree that required all people to register in the town of their ancestral origin. Joseph would have to go to Bethlehem because he was an ascendant of King David. And Mary went along too, because as a descendant of Judah, she may have been required to register. Now, in some regions, women were required to register. Or Mary may have gone with Joseph because her delivery was so near that Joseph did not want to leave her alone. What we do find in the verses are that when they arrived in Bethlehem, Joseph searched for housing. But Bethlehem and Jerusalem were crowded with thousands of others coming for the registration. He probably tried the homes of relatives or friends as well as public inns, but no place of privacy was available. Bishop Fulton Sheen explains it this way, He searched in vain for a place where he to whom heaven and earth belong might be born. Could it be that the Creator would not find a home in creation? Jesus was born in a stable because it's a place of outcasts, the ignored, the forgotten. The world might have expected the Son of God to be born, if he was to be born at all, in an inn. A stable would be the last place in the world where one would have looked for him. Divinity is always where one least expects to find it. Isn't that true? 
In a crowded, busy life, the manger scene reminds us that God can be missed, and doing His will will sometimes take us out of our comfort zones. Spiritually speaking, our hearts must become an open inn where Jesus is born and lives in us and through us. We must not turn Him away, and that means our plans might change. So in a stable for animals— Jesus, God incarnate and the Savior of the world, was born and tightly wrapped in bands of cloth by his mother Mary and then laid in a manger where animals would feed. Although we want to pause with Mary and Joseph and celebrate, even worship the birth of our Savior, Luke doesn't let us stay very long. Only a few hours of nighttime passed when Luke leads us from the manger to the fields outside of Bethlehem. There we find an unassuming group wide awake in the middle of the night because their vocation requires it. So let's read further in Luke 2, verses 8-11. through In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Now the angel's message of good news is summarized in the announcement in verse 10. Do not be afraid. I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Messiah, the Lord. Now, these titles are really important. Savior, or Sotor, in New Testament Greek, means God saves. He's the one who saves his people from their sins and from eternal death. Messiah, or Christos, in New Testament Greek, literally means anointed one. Now, anointings were reserved for kings and priests and prophets, those consecrated to God for a mission, and thus Jesus is anointed by the Spirit of the Lord to inaugurate God's kingdom. Lord, or Kyrios in New Testament Greek, Yahweh in Hebrew, means master or sovereign. The New Testament uses the title Lord for Father and for Jesus who is recognized as God himself. Jesus is divinely sovereign with dominion over all. Therefore, we can say with assurance, Jesus is our Savior who delivers us from sin and makes us right with God. Jesus is our Messiah, the anointed one who will inaugurate God's kingdom and reign as king forever. And Jesus is our Lord, who has dominion over all. Continuing in Luke 2, 12-20, the angel said, This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left and gone into heaven, this shepherd said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, 
they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You know, the shepherds in our modern nativity scenes may be somewhat an embellished picture of those who responded to the angel's message. Shepherds guard sheep in all kinds of weather, lived a nomadic life with few conveniences, and were probably a bit dirty and rough to say the least. They carried clubs to beat off the other animals that threatened their sheep. Often, the youngest boy in a family, once he was old enough to withstand the cold nights, was assigned the job. The lesson here is beautiful. Lowly, plain, ordinary folks, and those of little value in the eyes of the world, like the shepherds, are the ones the Lord chose to proclaim His coming to. It's not only amazing that God chooses shepherds, the little, the lowly, the less important of the world, but He also calls Himself a shepherd. I am the good shepherd, he said in John 10. In Ezekiel 34, God describes himself as one who shepherds rightly. He tends sheep. He rescues them. He leads them. He gives them rest. He brings back the lost. He binds up the injured, and he heals the sick. If Jesus says he is our shepherd, then that means God Almighty chooses the humble of the world. God planned the key event in human history to happen in silence where the powerful of the world hardly noticed. The shepherds couldn't miss the glory of the Lord and how magnificent it was. The glory shone all around them. The shepherds had been chosen to be the first to hear the good news. For today in the city of David, a Savior has been born for us, who is Messiah and Lord. So if at times you feel lowly, please know that Christ is your Savior and shepherd. He comes for you. You are his little lambs, and he loves you. In Luke 2, 14 through 20, we also find two beautiful choruses. First, there's the song in verse 14 called the angel's Gloria, because the first words in verse 14 in St. Jerome's translation of the Bible is Gloria. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those on whom his favor rests. Other translations say this, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. This song of the angels proclaims peace to a world that needs peace, just like we do right now. This peace is peace of heart that Jesus is with us, and Jesus saves us. In John 14, Jesus said, Peace, I leave you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled or afraid. The only place of true peace is found in Jesus. And today we remind ourselves of this. We can join the angels in praises often saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward all. The second chorus includes the shepherd's praises in verse 20 of Luke 2. They praise God for the good news from the angel and the singing of the heavenly hosts of angels. They praise God and were all awed. You know, they might be called the first evangelizers. I think we learn another lesson from the shepherds. 
Praising God for His goodness is a wonderful way to share His love and evangelize people. It really gets their attention. It's also interesting that some of the shepherds around Jerusalem took care of the temple animals used in the temple sacrifices. When lambs without blemish were newly born, shepherds would wrap them in cloths called swaddling cloths and place them away from others, even in a manger. So when the shepherds saw Jesus in the manger, just as the angel had told them, they praised God. Isn't it amazing that the shepherds who took care of the temple lands used for sin offerings would be the first to recognize Jesus Christ, the one who came as our sin offering forever? Our final insight we glean today is from Mary in Luke 2, verse 19. She treasured and pondered these things in her heart. Mary kept reflecting on the events that had happened and the words God sent to her. Can you imagine her thoughts about the shepherds who spoke of a message from an angel and a singing heavenly host? Now, I think the angel could have been Gabriel. What do you think? The scriptures don't tell us, so we don't know. But it sounds like someone that was a lot like the Gabriel who appeared to Zechariah and appeared to Mary. But can you imagine what Mary thought as she reflected on Gabriel and his words about the baby she now held in her arms? Mary really stands as an example for us in treasuring and pondering and delighting in things God has revealed, especially since we have the Word of God in Scripture. This is truly important when, like Mary, We do not fully understand or know what lies ahead. We can trust in God, His faithfulness, and His Word to keep us as a good shepherd would. As we conclude our journey for today, let's consider how we can respond to these verses of joy and peace, especially in the details surrounding the birth of Jesus. Try to prayerfully put yourself in these scenes, maybe traveling with Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem, and witnessing their fatigue after finding no room in the inn, or sharing their joy in all of heavens at the birth of Jesus. Then try to see yourself joining the shepherds and praising God as they hear the angels sing the Gloria and announce the birth of our Savior, Messiah, and Lord. Daily, you might ask yourself, am I praising God for sending Jesus as the shepherds did? Am I making a place for Jesus in my heart? as my Savior and Lord? Am I receiving the true joy and peace that Jesus offers? I have to go to Him, and He wants to give it. And am I treasuring God's Word in my heart as Mary did? Well, that's the end of our podcast for today. I'm so happy that you've joined our Advent Joy journey. You can find bookmarks for this series on my website, wrapyourselfinjoy.com. Until next week, please know that I'm praying for you. I'm asking our loving Heavenly Father for more joy and more of His presence in your life. And I'm praying for you in this new year that you would include more glorious praises to God in your life and you would treasure His Word in the depth of your heart. Thanks for joining me today. Please visit me on my website, wrapyourselfinjoy.com where you can learn more about my books, download free bookmarks, and connect with me. Please follow me on your favorite podcast app and invite a friend to join you too. 
You can download the show notes from today at wrapyourselfenjoypodcast.com. Until next week, this is your friend, Karen Dwyer, reminding you to wrap yourself in joy. <music>